The bank is something more than men. I tell you, it's the monster. Men have made it, but they cannot always control it. A famous quote by Alder John Steinbeck, who won Nobel Prize in Literature. Hi, how are you? Hope you're doing great. Well, mostly physically because of all that's been going on. If you're listening to this several years ahead in the future and must be wondering what I'm talking about, well, just know the world right now is kind of at a lockdown because of a certain coronavirus which have caused a global pandemic. Well, if you're listening to this right now, I mean, at this current time, then tune into WHO's website or there's our social media pages for all the latest updates about the disease. Coming back to my podcast, I'm your host Abrar Sami as usual and you're listening to Podcast with Abrar. So today we're doing something educational and we are shifting our gear of our shuttle and going back in time. Yes, today is history pod and this is history pod's first episode before i go talk about my topic and history pod i'd like to give you all a special high five as i promised well that is if you're my subscriber yes if you're my subscriber you get a special high five from me so yeah please do subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this from from youtube or itunes or spotify do follow it'll mean a lot and it'll give me more motivation to bring you more podcasts like this about history pod now I've always loved history and the more I dug, the more I learned, the more I questioned, the more I learned. <laughs> the cycle continues like that. And I always tell kids or my younger ones, if you don't know where you come from, how will you know where you'll go? That is something that if you think about, it'll give you more knowledge. And at this age of social media, which distracts us from the sweet fruits that the internet can give us which is knowledge yes the internet is a library it's full of knowledge it's full of things you can learn things you can know about you know and people are so distracted by um this four or five apps in their phones that they kind of forget what they can do from the internet and yeah even elon musk have said it that this generation can literally learn everything if they would like to because of the internet it's this it's the world's biggest library to be honest anyways you're also going to like like today's episode if you're into finance and love to study global markets it may spark your inner analyst and even if you are not into history or not into finance or anything like that you should always try to learn something it never hurts to learn something new and i hope this episode can teach you something or motivate you to do something if you are an investor or a banker or a student doesn't matter we should all learn about history and of course the lessons from the crises we have faced now Today I won't be talking about a plague or anything in history and we won't be going too far back in time either. This is just a few decades back and people nowadays don't really talk about it. 
But the lessons we took from this crisis have helped us come so far. Yes, the 1997 Asian financial crisis. If you don't know about it or ever heard about it, here's your chance to learn. So sit back, relax, take a deep breath, because we are going back in time. in Jakarta. The supermarket just down our road had been set on fire and people were out on the streets looting stores and ransacking homes. It was May of 1998 and Indonesia, my childhood home, was at war with itself. And it wasn't the only country. Thailand, the Philippines, South Korea, Hong Kong, Malaysia, even Japan, were all affected by the Asian financial crisis. Karishma Vizwani, a famous reporter at the BBC Indonesia, opened up about her experience living in Jakarta during 1997. As you all heard what the effects had made people do, and it left a large stain on the global financial markets. And people saw it during those riots. It started from Thailand, if you guys don't know, when the government declared that it was broke, it was bankrupt. But it hit Indonesia the worst, with the lowest GDP among all the countries. And that, kids, is how the economy works. That's why keeping an eye on the world economy is important because it affects us all. According to Sundip Khanna, hear this, he's a reporter at LiveMed. It was truly the worst of times, at least till, of course, Lehman Brothers exploded in our face. Well, if you don't know what he's talking about, he's, he's referring to the 2008 um, recession when the global market crashed once again. And it was Lehman Brothers and uh, AIG that caused this uh, issue and it affected the entire world. And it started this huge global recession. And that was the last recession that we had faced, at least until maybe whatever is going on right now. I'm coming to that. But first, let's talk about today's topic. Today's topic is about the Asian financial crisis that happened in 1997. And I'm going to quote Sundip's story. Yes, Sundip Khanna, the reporter I was talking about from LiveMind. And he has put it in a very well context so I'm going to take some stuff out of this article and tell you guys what exactly was going on during that time so Sundeep traveled to Indonesia and he attended this press conference and in the in that press conference 
It was there was mostly private bankers who had taken huge hits, and he described it as quite somber and cathartic. Well, he over he said that he heard tales of excess and wild wild spending of those businessmen uh, in that region. And they were fattened by those export earnings, which caused, of course, this catastrophe. And uh, there was much uh, introspection as commentators spoke about how the tag of, I quote, Asian tigers, referring to Thailand's turbocharged exports, had given this nation a false sense of invincibility. Yes, it made them feel invincible because of their of how their turbocharged ex exports were dominating the global market back then. Well, between the year 1990 and 96, which is very important to this story, uh, Malaysia's export had grown by 18% per year, Thailand's by 16, South Korea and Indonesian, Indonesia by 12. Well, in reality, there had been beneficiaries of global shifts in trade, helping along by labor arbitrage with growth rates becoming an end in itself. Well, in hindsight, let me tell you, it invoked the same feeling that usually people get after every crisis, right? It happened even after 2008 crisis and maybe even now, I don't know, it may be different. But people always think, what were they thinking? That's right. Well, if you, if you don't know, like... What they did, you can always learn more about it from uh, the indexes. Um, there are many articles about this uh, crisis that happened. Well, Sundip's experience in Bali <laughs> was quite the read. Um, here's how he put it. Gleaming back marks parked outside apartment blocks with labels must sell today. And often, even a price tag pointed to the sweeping desperation. I mean, people were selling stuff because they had no money, because people needed money so much. And things were, the currency was collapsing. And by collapsing, <laughs> you know, let me, let me just tell you how, how, how bad it collapsed. Uh, he met an American couple uh, on the first day of his, uh, on the first day at, at his hotel. Um, they were just carrying just a suitcase each and when they met again at the airport before their departure they were carrying all these extra bags of um, stuff and uh, they said that they went on a shopping spree and they said that the dollar goes far here yeah the Indonesian rupiah was allowed to float on August 14 1997 which point it traded at that point it was one dollar was 2400 rupiah and by february it was 14000 rupiah yeah that's down to a sixth of its earlier value the fire did singe even the most powerful economy singapore and when when he was going back to india sundeep he commented on the duty-free stores at the airport um, they were looking deserted and the uh, the airport was which is normally crowded was not very crowded at that time because people 
didn't have much money and they weren't traveling and the duty-free stores were soaring you know it was a painful period for the people of those countries who were involved in the crisis of course but through the excesses and the tales of woe several lessons were learned and the crisis wasn't wasted well it wasn't wasted because lessons were learned among those lessons countries learned never to fund short term assets with foreign funds it was also a watershed moment in the history of globalization it certainly firmed up the role of central bankers as policemen controlling capital flows it also kicked off an era of impossible levels of reserves as countries sought to build their defenses against speculative attacks of the kind thailand had suffered because it was an asset it was an asset liability mismatch it was not a credit crisis to be honest uh, the, the recovery was rapid though but the scars well it can be still felt now let me come back in time with the current situation going on in the world i mean many would agree that whatever is going on right now it will bring us a global economic crisis and god forbid famine in economically struggling countries things are only starting to get worse many economists say and the purpose of today's podcast is me telling you that maybe not maybe we will come out of this and we have come out of things before but economists can only predict so much well if you go back like i was talking about the 2008 recession when aig caused the american stock market to crash well global recessions like that can happen but eventually we come out of them and hopefully this time if a recession hits after the coronavirus pandemic is settled we will make it through well hopefully but here is what uh, some media organizations and analysts have to say according to politico the 2008 financial crisis had not prepared even the world's most powerful country yes the usa for this global pandemic well cnbc says that analysts anticipates worst financial crisis since 1929 and fears that a global recession is coming yes global recession is what analysts are seeing now in the ihs market on wednesday revised down its forecast for world real gdp growth in 2020 to 0.7% and you know what that means growth below 2.0% is classified as global recession and we are only having 0.7% growth this year that's what they're predicting and well also in uh, ihs market nariman bhairavesh um and sarah johnson projected that japan is already in recession while the us and europe will also be will following them in the second quarter of this year foreignpolicy.com say the global market in this manufacturing industry was already shaky in 2019 now we are deliberately shutting down the world's major economics 
for at least several months. Factories are closing, shops, gyms, bars, schools, colleges and restaurants are all shutting down. And early indicators suggest job losses in the US could top 1 million per month between now and June. That would be a sharper downturn than in 2008 and 9. For sectors like the airline industry, the impact will be far worse. In the oil industry, the prospect of market contradiction has unleashed a ruthless price war among OPEC, Russia, and shale producers. This will stress the heavily indebted energy sector. If price wars spread, we could face a ruinous cycle of debt deflation that will jeopardize the world's huge pile of corporate debt, which is twice as large as it was in 2008. International trade will sharply contract. While our healthcare heroes are racing towards finding a vaccine, people on social media with their viral posts make it seem like the world is falling apart, which it is right now. I mean, I'm here sitting and watching just like most of you and wondering when this all is going to end. Well, if you're listening from the future, you already know how it turns out, but right now, what really is concerning me is the aftermath of all this. We don't know where it could lead us. I mean, in a global financial market-wise. If you have an opinion on this, do share it with me on my social media pages. I would like you to learn more about recessions and how the economy works. Because if we don't, then we won't be prepared for another epidemic or disaster or, or whatever comes hit our faces like this all of a sudden. So please keep learning and knowing. It does, does not matter if you are a science type or an arts type or anything. Let go of that BS thinking. Because we are all part of this global economy. And when everyone knows about how it works, the more intelligent investors and more intelligent people we're going to have in our society, which we need really badly now. And by intelligent, I mean, I don't mean someone who's going to pile up money from the money they will invest, of course, but because we all know that piling up and uh, removing money uh, with the, from a huge sum of money can lead us to a very bad place. If you don't know what I'm talking about, today's topic has taught us this. The 1997 Asian financial crisis happened because of one of these things. Because there were people who were making money, so much money, and they were even talking about buying golf courses in Switzerland. So if you want to be an intelligent investor and you just want to see yourself over there an intelligent investor is that person who invests and spends keeping the ecosystem around them well balanced well that is a wrap up for my podcast today and i hope you all learned something from this i tried not to make it too boring and i hope you guys will be able to process your own thoughts from this plus also stay safe in this time of the crisis, 
and save your money and help and reach out to help others. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Abrar, signing out.